This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Leathers, and we are going to be talking about all things North American soccer tonight uh, with a particular interest in things going on in the Lone Star State. So we're going to talk a little bit about San Antonio FC. We're going to talk a little bit about some developments up the road in Austin. Um, and how that ties into hashtag save the crew and uh, a few other big topics here this week. Kind of a, a busy week for a off season for USL, so or for an off season week for USL. So pretty excited about that, um, Larry. How are you doing tonight, man? We are right in the middle of Snowmageddon right now. I, I did not see this coming. Yeah, no. Welcome to Ski San Antonio. We've got it going on here, man. This is great. Did not expect snow. It just kind of snuck up on, on us out of nowhere. It's crazy. Like, no one that I saw was predicting that. And I don't blame them for not predicting snow in South Texas. That's, um, you know, kind of a, a fool's errand sometimes. But... Holy crap, man. Like, I measured in our yard um, out here in New Braunfels, and it was like four to six inches in different places. It was nuts. Well, it's been, what, 32 years since we've had snow like this in San Antonio. You know, that we've had multiple times where they've talked about us having snow, and it never seems to materialize, and this time we lucked out. Going to be a white Christmas this year. Absolute craziness. Um, so if you're listening on the, uh, audio version of this that you can find on Apple podcasts and pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available, um, that is great. And we will always have that, um, recorded version available on Apple podcasts and on uh, all those places. But if you want, you can join in the fun live on Thursday nights at 10 PM on Periscope. Um, we do have a live show. I'm (laughs) Just pulling that up right now. Hi, everybody. So probably should have had that going before, but um, here we are. So let's get to it. We, we have some things to talk about this week. So um, let's start out on the national level with a little bit of U.S. soccer presidency talk. Um, we did have a little bit of a late breaking news, literally right as we were coming on to the internet here. Uh, Hope Solo is the newest candidate for U.S. Soccer President, uh, U.S. Soccer Wait. Federation President. Um, Wait, the Hope Solo? The She's going to run now? Hope Solo. She is driving that van um, all the way to the presidency. Um, really? Like, really, Larry? Is this... This is, this is as unlikely as the snow outside right now. <laughs> I did not see this coming at all. And like, for the record, I'm all for a female uh, president for the Federation. I am all for former players being president of the Federation. But Hope Solo? That's <laughs> like, she thought that was, that's going to happen. And the most surprising thing to me is I saw Grant Wall tweeted out that she actually has the three votes needed to be an official candidate. So this isn't like me going out there and saying, I'm going to run for us soccer president. Like she has the potential to be a legitimate candidate, uh, candidate. Good Lord. Getting started early tonight. (laughs) Um, I mean, is there any shot that this happens with the eight other candidates that are in the race already? I don't see it, but I also didn't think she would be able to get the nominations and she's already done the footwork to have that. So 
anything could happen. It's snowing in Texas. What else do you expect? <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a theme throughout this week with uh, some of the stuff in Ohio this week, some of the stuff in Austin this week. It's it's snowing in Texas, so sure, that could happen. Who knows, right? Yeah. Totally unexpected. <sighs> Um, we will probably have a little bit of a discussion about the candidates um, a little bit later on in the off season because the vote isn't for a couple months still. Um, but one thing that I've picked up on that I highly recommend is uh, Grant Wall's podcast, Planet Football. Um, they've come back after hiatus and they're doing episodes twice a week. But one of the more interesting aspects of that is that he has had Kathy Carter and Eric Winalda on, who are uh, probably the two front runners, if I had to guess. Um, definitely two of the the um, candidates with the most interest behind them, whether it be positive or negative. Um, so definitely recommend people checking that out, checking out those interviews. They're 30, 45 minutes long, not very long, and kind of interesting. Uh, I listened to the Kathy Carter one today, and you know, it, it's exciting i'm hoping to see some positive changes in u.s soccer and hopefully that trickles down all the way from you know youth up to the the highest levels yeah no i mean there's hopefully there's that's what happens here with that's what you got to be expecting out of whoever the new the new president is is that they're going to hopefully revamp things from top to bottom and get things headed in the right direction I, I unfortunately I haven't had a chance to listen to the Kathy Carter interview or any of the stuff from Grant, Grant Wall. I've got too many podcasts to be honest, and I'm gonna have to add that one to the list now so I can make sure I'm catching everything with, with all the USSF candidates. Uh, yeah, no, more things for me to listen to in the off season. <laughs> there you go. Um, Harry chimes in on Periscope with uh, Go Winalda, no Sunil clones, and um, I. I I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of this race. And again, we'll talk about this later when we have more information on all of the candidates and where they stand and everything. But um, Eric Winalda and Kathy Carter are probably the two most interesting because Winalda, for all, you know, stripping it down the most basic, it seems like he's kind of the anti-establishment, change it up, get real crazy with it type candidate. Um, and, and the, the nice bot that's in Periscope right now repeated what, uh, Harry said. So yay mm. for that. Um, Go Periscope bot. <laughs> and whereas you got Kathy Carter, who is basically Sunil's, um, handpicked successor, if all that goes to plan. Um, but listening to that interview from her, she said all the right things and, and it didn't sound as bad as I thought it would, honestly. She, um, listen to the interview with Grant Wall and make up your mind because I think this is going to be more complicated. Not that any of us have a vote, but, you know, it's fun to talk about. <laughs> um, well, and speaking of Galati, I mean, he's actually announced this week that he will not be running. So the next closest thing to Galati being in the president spot might be Kathy Carter, at least on the outside appearance. Yeah. If she's saying the right things, then maybe, maybe that's not the case, but I don't know. It's a scary road to go down with her. And that's the hardest thing that she's going to have to shake is she's going to be the one most likely that's endorsed by Gladi and, um, you know, a lot of the other guys who have been around for a long time, um, but in that interview, she didn't sound like the devil. I'm going to be honest. She came off very educated and 
um, under, it sounded like she understood some of the problems um, that U.S. soccer is having, and she understands the role of the president. Um, it's the U.S. president, the U.S. soccer president does not uh, control everything for better or worse in the Federation. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting for sure. I think well, we all just want improvement no matter what. I'll have to go into it and into it with open mind when I listen to the podcast and see what she has to say. But <laughs> it's the hardest. It's part. scary. It's scary that she's going to be the Galati endorsed candidate here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a blessing and a curse depending on which side of the aisle you're you're on there. Uh, on to better news, though. San Antonio FC did announce two more players this week. Um, very exciting. I, I always love getting to talk about that. I'm convinced that they have like the entire roster filled out already and they're just trickling the names out, but I'm fine with that because it stretches the content out for the, for the off season. So. <laughs> hey, if they want to give us two a week from here now till February, I, we can deal with that, right? <laughs> we can make that work. I don't know if that's going to make everybody on Twitter happy, but <laughs> it works for, for content here. So the two this week were Ever Guzman, um, forward who absolutely lit it up near the end of the season and of course hometown guy Matt Cardoni in goal so um, let's there's obvious questions about Cardoni and the fact that he's coming back and Restrepo is coming back um, but first let's talk about ever because I know he was one of the players you were most excited to potentially get back hey I think we I, we, we know what's going to happen up front now we got Elizondo back we've got Guzman back those are the two key pieces that I see up front for us um, it sounds like we're we're doing exactly what I want to see happen with the team. See who ends up being signed out on the wingers with maybe Forbes, maybe I don't know. Um, obviously, I want Tier Pack back too. Announced, but we'll see. But ever being back, I'm super excited. Yeah, let's that's... get it done. He lit it up at the end of the season. I'm hoping he comes out swinging in 2018 and just gets it done. Yeah, absolute beast scored in, I believe, the last three um, matches that San Antonio FC had in the regular season. And then uh, he and Cesar Elizondo were responsible for all three goals that San Antonio scored in the playoffs. So you got to love having both of those guys back if you're a San Antonio FC fan. Like, uh, I know San Antonio FC wasn't known for the attack and being dominant on that side of the field. But those are two guys who were bright spots of the attack that they had. And I'm really excited to have both of them back. Well, I mean, you think about like what happened with 2017 and we had Forbes and Elizondo going off together. If we can do that same thing with Guzman and Elizondo, but do it for the whole season, maybe San Antonio won't just be known as the defense capital of the USL. If we can start scoring goals on a regular basis and have that attack, the doors open wide open for us. Yeah, that. I don't know that we need to become, you know, some crazy, super high pressing team. I don't think that'll ever happen. But, you know, it would be nice to see more two nil games, three nil games, that kind of stuff. We'll see. Um, but getting Guzman back, getting Elizondo back, that's huge. And that's a huge start of that. Um, on the other side, Matt Cardoni's coming back, um, which, you know, San Antonio native, awesome guy to uh, chat with and to be around. Um, what do you make of his return for 2018? And, you know, where does that set our goalkeeper um, positioning right now? I didn't expect that one when they made it, when they said there was going to be a player announcement. I wasn't expecting it to be Cardoni, especially this early on. It kind of shores up what's going on in goal. But 
still, I think the questions remain. Is it going to be a competition between the two of them, between Restrepo and Cardoni for that position? Are they going to timeshare it and, you know, give Restrepo breaks, give Cardoni breaks and, you know, alternate here? Is I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy to think that we've got these two guys sitting on our bench when they're both clear starters for the team if they're both at their top of the game. Yeah, that's I think talking with Coach Powell last season and kind of just seeing how he works or at least how he says he works, um, it seems like it's always an open competition for every position on the field. So. Um, obviously Diego Restrepo has a huge body of work behind him getting USL goalkeeper of the, uh, the year last year. Um, but Matt showed up in 2016 and this coaching staff has seen that. And, um, you know, the goalkeeper coach, uh, director of goalkeeping, I think is his official title now, Juan La Madrid. Um, he's been with Matt since Cardoni was in college, so they know what he has to offer. So, It'll be really interesting to see how that goes down. I don't think that it's Restrepo's job right out of the gate. I think he's going to have to prove himself. Um, but we saw what that did when they brought in um, uh, Cyprian Hedrick and what that did with Stephen McCarthy. And it, and it pushed McCarthy to be the best that we'd ever seen him be. So you know, maybe we'll see these guys take even more of a step forward. I just don't know how you can take the job away from Restrepo after the body of work this season. Like goalkeeper of the year, how are you going to put him on the bench? Even if Cardoni looks a little bit better in practice, I don't. I'm torn. I'm torn with this. (laughs) I'm so torn with this. I'm happy that we have them both back. It gives us two amazing options. And if history tells us anything, we're going to need both of them. So (laughs) I'm hoping not, but we might need them both. Not wishing any ill will on anybody, but history has not been kind to the first San Antonio FC goalkeeper that starts the year Um, with Josh Ford and then Matt Cardone last year, of course. But speaking of that, I, I think that really played a lot into his return because he ended up um, not getting as much time on the field, especially toward the end of the season. Like he, he was done within the first quarter of the season. So even if he had earned a starting role at another club, it's really hard to say, you know, well, look what I did in 2016. It's kind of a, what have you done for me lately type business. So maybe this was the best situation for Cardone to, to stay at home and to reestablish himself and show that he deserves a role either at San Antonio FC or at another USL or NASL club. Yeah. I mean, it might turn into something good for him here or somewhere else. It'll remains to be seen. It's going to be an interesting spring when they're getting ready for the season. For sure. I, God, I can't wait for preseason to start. (laughs) I need, I need real soccer in my life. Um, These, these months are rough. I need preseason game announcements. So many other teams out there sitting there making preseason game announcements, not just against USL squads, but against MLS teams and nothing from SAFC. I want an MLS team here. They're not that far away. Bring in FC Dallas. Right. Bring in the Dynamo. Get it done. Get one of them over here and let's play them. I know we play the Dynamo every time we play RGV anyways, but still, I think that's going to change with, with with things happening out there in RGV and in Houston. So. But I think we need to get one of them here for a game, at least during the preseason. That's kind of one of those things that you have to 
except to a certain extent when you're a fan of a Spurs team, like they just don't release any info. <laughs> like I, I would be genuinely shocked if it was only these four players that were signed to the team right now. I'm, I would be willing to bet that there are more that are signed. They just, you know, they take their time with announcements and they, uh, you know, that's part of the gig. Which we, we saw a couple questions this week about contracts with SAFC players, and none of those are disclosed. So anytime anything comes out as far as player X has a certain amount of years or a certain amount of money or anything like that, um, that is either coming from a player or is just a false rumor that got started. So um, nothing official ever gets released from the club about how long players have on their contracts, which is part of the guessing game at this time of year super frustrating but it is what it is we're it's going to keep happening from here on out so we just got to get used to not having any information going forward until they're good and ready to disclose it (laughs) piggybacking off what you said yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they've got a solid dozen players signed already and they're just choosing not to tell us yeah Yeah, well, one thing we do know is that Tim Holt is not in San Antonio right now. He and the other um, bigwigs in USL, (laughs) the other um, folks that run the teams, are at the USL winter meetings that are going on right now in Tampa. Um, This is where there are um, several different like seminars and making sure the league is on the same page. It's networking, but then... They also discuss um, scheduling and the future of the league and the upcoming season and all that kind of stuff, too. So, um, you know, it's interesting from an outside perspective. Uh, You kind of wonder what goes on there sometimes. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll be getting a format and a schedule and all that stuff for USL here in the coming weeks. Yeah, no, hopefully it'll be coming up soon. And you know, those meetings got to be super interesting. Hopefully we'll get some more information out of them over the next few days as they're they're going into the weekend here. Um, we have heard, you know, they made an announcement that there's going to be a new soccer ball provider for the league this year um, in Select. Um, they did post some pictures of the, the 2018 soccer ball. I mean, I, I'm not partial to them either way, but <laughs> it's it's a different design than what we've had in the past. I don't know if the players are going to have have anything to say about it. You know, when we get to World Cups and things like that, all the new soccer balls tend to come out, especially with the World Cup ball. And they all work a little bit differently. We've seen some strange ones over the years that wobble and curve more than others. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any sort of feedback from the players on this new game ball. Yeah, I'm really curious about it, too. Um it's really strange that USL is moving away from Nike in that aspect because they've had such a close relationship, um, including Nike having an ownership stake in USL at one point. Um, I'm not a fan of how they look. I think it looks cluttered from the pictures that they released. And I think you'll have to, if you're listening on the podcast, sorry, you'll have to Google this or look for it. Um, but it just kind of looks busy, and I, I'm not a big fan of how it looks. I don't know how it feels. I don't know how it plays. But um, one thing we do know is that Select is also going to be used in Germany this year, uh, or next season, rather, I think, is what it was. Bundesliga, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I think it's the next season that they're picking that up. Um, not this season cause they're already mid season right now, but yeah, um, I would assume so. So it's at least it's not like USL is just going with this discount brand that no one else uses. Um, Bundesliga is, uh, pretty reputable. I, I think they've, <laughs> they've got a little bit of a good reputation. <laughs> they're all right. Um, but regardless of how it feels or plays or anything like that, I think it's ugly as sin. So, that's a little disappointing, but so one of the things I did see um, talking about partners and things like that, I don't know if you browsed the partner list that they announced. Um, we're going to be there at the summit, but um, I didn't catch their name. I should have written it down. I screwed up there, but they're actually an, if there's an official partner for the league now for modular stadiums, much like what we've got going on out in Tampa or not in Tampa in Phoenix. Right. Um, so I'm wondering if uh, maybe these baseball fields can be, you know, completely eliminated from the league and we can get some modular stadiums set up in some of these cities, maybe. That's the I don't hope, know. right? Like, get away from the baseball fields, even if it's quote-unquote pop-up stadiums like Phoenix has, like, soccer stadiums are soccer stadiums, and that's all you need, right? Um, we, we've seen they have the partnerships with them. They have different vending partnerships for damn near anything that you could think of to build a stadium so yeah i would hope that you know las vegas and some of these other places tacoma and you know it seems like just about every expansion team that's coming in is playing in a baseball field so hopefully that'll change soon well i saw the strangest thing on there and we saw this and we didn't even realize we were looking at it but they've also got a partner that specializes in retractable pitching mounds for baseball fields and apparently apparently they had one and they used it at louisville slugger stadium during the final oh interesting it's some weird system that it just goes flat to the ground and retracts into the ground and you can change it from being a pitching mound to being a flat surface for a soccer field in less than two hours (laughs) that's kind of cool it's very cool. I just I didn't know we were even looking at one when we watched the final. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I missed that announcement. That's pretty cool. Um obviously it would be best to not have to deal with baseball fields in your soccer league, but eh, if you have to, then, you know, better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, Let's see. Is there anything else in USL that we're missing? Probably. Orlando City B? Did oh, we mention yeah. that? We we didn't mention that. You want to talk about that? So apparently there is a rumor going around that Orlando City B will be going on hiatus for 2018 um, and returning to the D3 level USL when it launches in 2019. Um, apparently also Rochester has that option as well. So if we don't see Rochester Rhinos return at the D2 level in the main main USL level, they may be a D3 team in 2019. I don't know how that affects operating costs and maybe makes it easier for them to come back into the league. But I mean, interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you're not signing players at such a high cost and and that helps. I don't know with, with Rochester, but it's interesting for sure. And it makes you wonder what these other, um, USL, sorry, MLS two teams are going to be doing with USL D three. If they're going to drop down to the third tier, if they're going to stay, with USL and see how that works out. Um, It certainly seems like if someone's on an MLS contract, you wouldn't want them playing in third division because 
it's not much of a challenge and you're not really kicking the tires on them as much as you'd want. Um, but maybe the operating cost is less and, and maybe it works out better for those people. I mean, maybe we'll see more loans from MLS teams to non-affiliated USL teams. More Zachary Haravos. That's it. I was trying <laughs> to remember the name and that's what I was completely blanking on it. But yeah, more Haravos coming into to SAFC and other teams that maybe don't have that full affiliation to get them their time, not at a D3 level team. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Kind of open things up a little bit as far as where players can move. Um, you know, we ran into that a little bit with San Antonio FC last season when um, Diego Restrepo was suspended and Lee Johnston was the only healthy goalkeeper on the roster. You would have liked to have seen a, you know, no knock to Ryan Rashindo, but you would have liked to have seen a um, regular goalkeeper, someone getting regular time at goalkeeper is what I'm trying to say. Um but we ended up with uh, a central defender as the backup goalkeeper for that match. So. Well, I, I know we were all hoping that NYCFC was going to send somebody down and it just didn't work out scheduling wise. But yeah, this could make for some better options if, you know, a different MLS squad that doesn't have a direct division two affiliate, you know, has an extra goalkeeper or an extra player to send down if needed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Stinking international windows stealing our... <laughs> potential sean johnson match uh, maybe next time <laughs> hopefully there's not a next time yeah, what am i saying right. God, <laughs> we, there's gonna be a next time eventually right that's just how sports is um so you want to get into all this austin stuff i guess that's something oh, that we should talk about go down that road <laughs> And and I want to be clear, I actually enjoy reading all this stuff about Austin, and I want soccer in Austin, uh, but I would have preferred USL, but uh, if San Antonio and Austin can both get MLS, that'd be cool too. But, um, you know, anytime you mention Austin, it's so div- divisive that like, I can feel the internet's hate seething at me right now. Um, anyway... There were two stadium renderings released in Austin this week, which is pretty incredible for a city that doesn't have a team right now. Um, <laughs> hey, we can't even get stadium renderings. I wasn't going to say it, but... I'm saying it. <laughs> <sighs> so um, we saw stadium renderings come out first from Austin Sports and Entertainment, which is a group that is not affiliated with MLS or Columbus or PSV. They are a completely independent group that is trying to build a stadium slightly outside of downtown. Um, They want to build a 40,000-seat stadium in that area. Um, The stadium looked interesting, um, but I don't know. What what are your thoughts on on a 40,000-seat stadium away from downtown? There's so much room out there because they want to build it out where the Austin Expo Center is. And I went up to Austin earlier this year for the F1 race. And I actually the parking that I sat, uh, parked at was at the Expo Center and they shuttled us to the, the race. Um, there is so much unused area out there that anything, anything could, is possible out there. They've got tons of room. I will say it is a little ways out. It's not that close to the city, and that may be the big holdup there. Um, this was—it's the same group that was at the council meeting, correct? That 
that was mentioning they were trying to bring a team here to the city. Yeah, it was. Not I'm... subtle in PSV, but the other guy, I can't remember his name now. Right. Um, I don't know. They've got a lot of room out there if they can get it done. And I'm wondering if the city would welcome a new expo center that's got a soccer field and some other things. A 40,000-seat stadium is a hell of a stadium. I mean, that's big. I don't know what other events they're planning to bring in there, if they're going to try to bring high school football or college. I don't know what they're going to do with it in the offseason outside of soccer. Well, that's the thing. Even with soccer, 40,000 seats for an MLS team is bold right now. Um, Obviously, you have like Atlanta and Seattle and some of those other cities where they could pull that off regularly. But putting it in an unproven market in a questionable area as far as, you know, how many people would actually go there. Um, that's bold. And I don't know. I, I don't see that happening. It's just kind of interesting because with pre-court sports ventures um, and MLS pushing for a downtown stadium, it's interesting for this situation to pop up because this is a place where city council can say, Hey, why don't you just go play over there? You don't need this parkland. You've got a stadium oh, right over there. Yeah, and I mean it'd be like you said, plenty big enough. It's it's borderline monstrous for a soccer team. Um, I don't know. It's in the middle of nowhere. It really is. I can't stress that enough. There is nothing but farm fields out there and big fields full of grass. Right. There is no housing. There's no nothing. And granted, it's got a lot of access highway wise where it's at, but you're still having to drive way out from the city. I mean, way out 15, 20 minutes, but it's a hike. It's not there's nothing there. There's no infrastructure to support it. There's not restaurants. There's not. There's some gas stations, but there's just nothing out there. I mean, it's almost like you might as well put it at a Circuit of the Americas at that point and let Bobby Epstein into the uh, the group. But it's it's maybe I don't know. It's it's probably another ten minutes down the road from from the from the racetrack. Um, that wouldn't be going out that much farther and there's a little bit more infrastructure out there already that they would be able to rely on but still it's it's a barren wasteland where they're headed (laughs) and i can't i can't see with forty thousand seats you're you've got to be expecting to draw from other markets and pull up people from san antonio i don't necessarily think that's going to happen if you're really planning on building that far out you may as well stick it midway between san antonio and austin and go for the region and not name it after either city, figure out some sort of South Central Texas name for the team and run it that way. Right. And first off, it's uh, Sean Foley is the name that escaped there both of us. <laughs> it's like rattling around back there, but there's so many moving parts in all of this that it's hard to keep track sometimes. Um, so the thing that I've heard brought up is like international matches. So hosting the U S national teams or Mexico or or some of these places, but you've got, I guess if you want to get away from having to rely on UT and not having to like beg them to use DKR, um, I, I guess we did see that this summer with, they had the, uh, potential to host the Manchester Derby in Austin and mm-hmm. then ended up going to Houston, I believe. Right. And yep. I went to Houston, went I, to the energy center instead. Yeah. I get the, the utility of having a big ass stadium, but 
for an MLS team, that's not ideal. And it's kind of a backward step for the league. And I have a hard time seeing them accepting that as the home of a potential Austin MLS team. I actually did the measurement when the renderings came out, and I'm pretty sure it's the same distance from downtown Austin as Toyota Field is from downtown San Antonio. Oh, um, which is a different situation entirely. <laughs> Toyota Field is right off of a couple major highways and it's on the north side and people would go to Toyota Field. I'm not comparing yeah. them that way. I'm just saying like, you know, if Toyota Field is too far, then this place is too far, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And international matches, I mean, we've got, if people don't want to deal with UT and and having their, their stuff go on with setting up an international match, we have the Alamo Dome. It's not that far. It's not that far of a drive from Austin. And if anything, the international matches we've had here in the Alamo Dome prior with Mexico and things, it shows that people are willing to drive to come here for that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of support for the Mexican national team here. Um, I would assume that if we were to have a U.S. men's national team or even a U.S. women's national team game here, we would get that same kind of support. And people would be coming in from Austin and from Houston and Dallas and everywhere to see the teams play here because it's close. It's not that far, you know, four or five hour drive from Austin or or from Dallas and Houston. People would come for a men's national team game here to San Antonio. It's just so weird. The concept of building a stadium for a game that you might get once every two or three years. (laughs) You're you can't guarantee that you're going to have the U.S. men's national team or the Mexican national team or anything like that coming regularly. So I I just don't see it. Maybe that's part of the play. You know, we've had speaking of Columbus. I mean, we're in that that talk right now. Columbus hosts a lot of men's national team games up there at Matt Matt Free Stadium. And if PSV's pulling out of pulling the team out of there and moving them to Austin, maybe they're expecting those games to come with them to whatever new stadium they have set up down here. That's an interesting thought for sure. I mean, um, they, they PSV owns the stadium up there. So what are they going to do with it after they pull out of Columbus? Are they going to hold on to it? Are they going to try to sell the stadium back to somebody else or to the city up there? And are they going to keep those games there? Yeah, they may. (laughs) Maybe they'll just set it on fire. I mean, it set itself on fire a couple of years ago with that scoreboard. But (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. We can't joke about the crew. Sorry. My Mm. bad. My mistake. Um, (laughs) The other set of renderings that was released came directly from um, Pre-Court Sports Ventures, um, the group behind Columbus Crew. Um, this one was really interesting to me. Um, it's a set of renderings that are designed for parkland near downtown Austin. Um, kind of their prime real estate as far as where MLS wants to be and says they want to be and all that. Um, the really interesting part of it to me was that as far as the design anyway, and we all know that design and concept, um, can be differ wildly from what's actually executed but the design of it is to be less intrusive than a traditional Mm -hmm. stadium it's uh do you have the numbers in front of you by chance on on like how deep below ground level and all that stuff it is it was i believe what it was was 12 to 15 feet set down into the ground to try and minimize the, the skyline and give clear views of the skyline in all direction. It's actually in in Butler Shores is where the where they want to put it, the Butler Shores parkland right now. Yeah, that's just really interesting to me that they're 
taking steps, potentially taking steps to make it as least intrusive as possible. And they really emphasize the fact that soccer games only last two hours. Um, They're not putting in any on-site parking because they believe that there's enough already there plus mass transit. Um, oh God! It's that I'm not sure about. <laughs> I, yep, right there with you. That one's going to be a nightmare. You want to make sure people don't drive from San Antonio or Waco. You just don't give them a place to park. That's one well, way to make sure. Like really accessible parking to where they're planning on going is a mile away. So they're expecting people to park a mile away, walk them out of the stadium, walk a mile back after dark. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know enough about the surrounding area around Butler Shores. If it's sketchy at all, you know, families aren't going to want to do that. You got to have parking on site for people to go to. But if they're going for the non-intrusive route, they're doing the right thing, I guess. (laughs) It's, it's interesting. And I, I don't have the facts in front of me as far as, you know, firsthand knowledge of that area, but um, not having, parking on site or having very minimal parking on site is really strange. It was like a 20 minute walk is what I saw quoted. Um, I'm not going to do that with my kid. So like that knocks out any potential of us going together. Um, and, And, you know, if I'm at a soccer game and I'm, you know, a couple beers deep, am I really going to want to walk all the way back i guess i'm not going to be driving in that case but walk all the way back to where i'm going to ride back to new Braunfels. like i don't know i think it's just really exclusionary and it's good to double down on the city that you're in but you're kind of cutting out any potential of a commuter fan base there yeah definitely and that's what i feel like they're gonna have to rely on a commuter fan base and they need the parking i feel like that's a going to be a big issue down the road is people getting to those games if they do get the stadium deal done in butler shores and it seems like that's where they're targeting right now we haven't heard anything about any other sites um that psv has been targeting butler shores seems to be the all-in spot at the moment at least from what we've seen out of them um the other thing that i find interesting is that right now butler shores has a bunch of little league fields on there And they've got a bunch of little leagues that run out of those fields and they're going to be destroying property that little kids use to get into sports. That's the worst. I'm not okay with that. I mean, that's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to tear down little league fields to put in a soccer stadium that people are going to have to walk 20 minutes with their families to get to a game. (laughs) Like that's, uh, that's that's crazy we've got a what is it what does that say um 13,000 parking spots within a 20 minute walk portland and orlando have less on-site parking is what uh periscope chat just said and so there you go i mean it works for portland and orlando they draw big crowds um i just wonder how the public transit compares between the two because austin obviously doesn't have light rail and you know that kind of stuff but i mean you can't rely on it working for every city. So great if it works in Portland and Orlando, but it may not work in Austin, depending on how things go down. The release even talks about Austin being similar to Portland, like by name, it names Portland. So I'm curious what they think they're getting into there. Cause it's not quite the same. Uh, Periscope chat. Keato also says little league officials are okay with it. PSV offering to build replacement fields. 
So that's good, at least, if they do that. Um, as as shitty of a narrative as it is to say, we're tearing down kids' fields, um, those fields are also on, like, some of the best land in the city. So yeah. it sucks. Um, as long as they're replacing them and it's not, you know, in Buddha or something, like... I think I'm okay with it overall. As They'll be out by the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I I would hope that they would be convenient. Is is my point? Uh, hopefully, but. I mean, we'll see. They're going to have to account for that and all of their their uh, reporting to the Austin City Council on what Dece- December 14th, I think, is what it is, right? Yeah. Regardless, so we should know in a week. Yeah, for for a city that doesn't officially have a team right now, it's kind of interesting to see them get two sets of stadium renderings. So good for them. It's fun for everybody to look at. Um, but, you know, just kind of interesting this week. Um, going along that same line, we do have some developments with um, hashtag save the crew, <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, some developments with Columbus crew. The so-called art model law, uh, which says that if a professional sports team is getting public funds, then they can't leave the city without meeting several requirements, or they can't leave the state without meeting several requirements uh, to do so. And uh, this has a lot of people really intrigued on the internet from what I've seen. Uh, What are your feelings on this? Does this have a chance at keeping the crew in Columbus, or is this a lot to do about nothing it's not just people on the internet that are intrigued you know the attorney attorney general general up there in ohio is involved now too um they seem to think that this may be the loophole that keeps columbus crew in columbus um apparently the restrictions are they have to give six months notice if they're intending to move a team and they also have to give the opportunity for another group to come in and purchase said team and to keep it in Columbus at fair value, whatever that is. Um, We were talking about it offline before, you know, about fair value and what that may mean. I'm curious who sets fair value for the team if they are given the option to purchase. We know that there's businesses and groups that are interested in potentially getting together uh, to purchase the crew. They've been asking to do that. Um, but what's the price going to be? Is it the expansion fee? Is it the expansion fee plus some? What What's that m- number going to be? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm extremely skeptical about that law being upheld at all. Um, and first up, before I, I dive into that, I just looked at Periscope a little closer. And um, one of the guys talking in chat is actually Josh from MLS in Austin uh, supporters group. Um, so shout out to him. I, you know, hopefully we'll have you guys on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks when we have more to talk about with Austin after the city council meeting. Um, so Josh would absolutely know about that info on, um, you know, PSV offering to rebuild the, the baseball field somewhere else, which is cool. Um, but getting back to the art model law, it's, it's bullshit, man. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't see a way that this does anything but cause people headaches it's the ohio equivalent of um nelson wolf suing mls for fraud or investigating mls for fraud um it seems very 
like easy political points, um, like an easy way to drum up favoritism in a time where we're getting ready to go into some elections. Um, and I believe that attorney general is running for governor right now. Oh, jeez. Um, Did not know that. Yeah. So it's very, very similar to what we saw in San Antonio with Nelson Wolf. Um, but taking all of my political cynicism out of it, um, the single entity ownership is going to cause a wrench in all of this because this is not Jerry Jones trying to move the Cowboys. This is the league itself trying to move a franchise. So from my point of view, the the selling part of it, if so part of the requirement with that law is that if the team wants to move, they have to offer to sell to a local uh, ownership group at a reasonable price, like you said. Um, but that owner is MLS. MLS owns Columbus Crew, not PSV. And so if MLS sells Columbus Crew, what league is Columbus Crew in? <laughs> like, what are they selling? And that's where things get really more complicated than I think anyone really wants to admit to uh, as far as this, you know, enforcing this law. And the other thing is we don't even know if this law is enforceable because it's never come up against a judge. So I think there's a lot of hurdles to jump through with this. Well, you got to think of, I, I don't know. First thing that comes to mind with me is in regards to the single entity and MLS owning it, if PSV wanted to get out of the soccer business, they would be able to sell their stake in the team. And maybe that's the way they go about enforcing it is that the stake in the team is what needs to be sold if they're able to enforce it. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. MLS isn't going to sell the team. It's going to be PSV selling their stake in the team is what I would I would assume here. So, yeah, um, I don't even know if that would be applicable. Like you're trying to make someone who's invested sell their investment. And that's not what the law says as far as we know. I... Well, I mean, it, take single entity out of it. If it was Jerry Jones with the Cowboys trying to move it and this totally law different. was in the NFL, yeah. it, it, that's the way it would be applied is, you know, they, it's, it's him selling his stake in the team. Same right. thing. I, I get that single entity with MLS is here, but I don't know. I, I That's the way I would assume it's going to have to be implemented. Or on the other flip side is MLS doesn't want to deal with this bullshit and they push PSV <laughs> out and force, forces them to give up their stake and, re, and reimburses them for their stake and allows this new ownership group to come in and purchase the stake directly from MLS. I don't. It's it's a long shot. All of this is a long shot. The bigger thing here is that it may tie up things in the court system for an undetermined amount of time, months, weeks, years. And that could throw a wrench in PSV moving to Austin altogether. I mean, if that's the case, then what if Columbus crew went on hiatus, quote unquote, and then uh, PSV was given control of a new Austin franchise that had nothing to do with Columbus crew? Um, I think you mentioned MLS getting rid of PSV and forcing them out. I think MLS wants to be in Austin just as much as PSV. I don't think this is a one-sided, um, move. I don't think that Precourt is twisting MLS's arm in this. Um, we heard at South by earlier this year that Don Garber 
has a huge crush on Austin and I don't think it was just lip service and you know at the time that set off some red flags for uh, a lot of these expansion cities but I I think MLS wants Austin as bad as PSV apparently wants Austin MLS has to want Austin as bad as PSV does I mean MLS owns the team they've got <laughs> a vested stake in this because they get revenue from the stadium and from the team and ticket sales all a portion of that all goes to the league so they've right. got to want austin too you know it's got to be viable for both parties here so you're not wrong they probably want austin just as bad as psv does but it, this could just be a huge hurdle for that group as a whole to jump through if they do find a way to either enforce this law or tie up the move in litigation for years to come well, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. It sounds like it's going to play some sort of a factor. We just don't know how big of a factor, whether it gets thrown out immediately or it tumbles through the court system for half a decade. Um, but it, it has potential to set a precedence for MLS and potentially disband the whole single entity structure of it if enforced correctly. I mean, if you're saying legally that PSV is the owner, if a judge is saying that legally... Um, I think that crumbles a lot of things with MLS's anti-monopoly cause or anti-monopoly case. Um, anyway, that's, that's getting into a lot of other things, but interesting, interesting law that has the potential of being enforced. Um, kind of sticking with this theme as far as MLS and what Garber wants and everything else. Uh, Aaron Ramon 58 potty mouth on Twitter says, um, given everything that's come out about Garber and Precourt in their collusion, it's an obvious and embarrassing stain on the U.S. top league. Do you see any chance at all for momentum to start building for owners to push Garber out? Hashtag MLS and SA. <laughs> no, I do not. Um, Agreed. Agree I, 100%. Yeah, I think Garber is... MLS and MLS is Garber. I mean, he is paid to take all of the rotten fruit that is thrown at the stage. Um, but he is, you know, carrying out the owner's wishes as far as we can tell. Is that what you get too, Larry? Garber made this deal. So Garber was there when PSV purchased their stake in the Columbus crew. They, he knew that this Austin thing was in play. I would assume if he's on top of all the paperwork and everything, as he should be if in his position. Um, so he's he's in it. He knows it. And I would assume that other league owners probably knew about it, too. Yeah, I I know it's really easy to view Garber as the bad guy if you support keeping the crew in Columbus and if you support keeping MLS out of Austin. Um but Garber is an extension of the owners, and I don't think he's acting against their wishes right now, as far as we can tell anyway. Um, if he was acting against their wishes, this this would be spun completely differently in the media. It would have been a long time ago. They'd yeah. be playing their cards differently. They They clearly want this. Whether it happens or not, it's a whole different story. And I do think, again, for the record, that it's going to happen, that uh, MLS is coming to Austin um, probably from Columbus, probably not the crew in name, but uh, I do think it's going to happen. Um, and, and I think it has a potential to succeed. I think Austin can do it. So 
But um, moving on from Austin to um, San Diego and San Antonio before we close out the show here, some interesting news on the MLS expansion front that I thought for damn sure we were done talking about for a little while. Um, let it die. Just let it die. <laughs> I can't. Landon Donovan hates us because Landon <laughs> freaking Donovan um, out in San Diego, Soccer City SD, which was the group who was pushing for MLS expansion in San Diego earlier in 2017 um, before their uh, inability to get a stadium kind of pulled them out of the race temporarily, it seems. Um, Soccer City San Diego is still pushing for MLS, and they had a rally this past week featuring Mr. Landon Donovan, um, unrelated to the uh, MLS MVP Landon Donovan trophy. Different guy. Um, (laughs) So what do you think about San Diego? Are they the biggest threat to a San Antonio bid, to a Phoenix bid, to any other Western team? Until they can get the stadium stuff done, I just I'm not even paying attention to them. It's <laughs> they they've already supposedly failed multiple times on this front. I know they were out at San Diego State University trying to drum up more interest from more millennials out there to get them interested in the team coming there. Until more solid details are in place and there's a stadium plan and everything else, I'm just not even paying attention to it. They can keep having their little rallies and doing their thing, but it's it's not going to happen in, until we hear that it is. That's fair. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that they're still pushing for it, and I don't blame them. Um, I just that's that's dedication, man, to like be completely out of it for six months and then you know rev the engine back up. Uh, kudos to those I mean, fans. Yeah, good for them for trying to get it rolling again. Maybe they will. Who knows? And if they can actually get a stadium plan together, hell yeah, they're a threat. They're going to be coming for everybody, everybody out there. And I think MLS would probably like probably like to be in San Diego. They that's a, a market ripe for the picking right now. If it means we get more video of Landon Donovan jumping off of a taco truck in the middle of the night, <laughs> I am all fucking for it, man. I need more of that in my life. I need oh. more stage diving from the top of a taco truck landed donovan (laughs) hosting ragers at san diego state university that's what's going to happen out of this (sighs) that guy i love (laughs) hate him love hate him um so coming back to san antonio um some developments in the fraud investigation quote unquote oh yeah investigation Uh, we had two statements come out one from mls's lawyers and one from nelson wolf's uh lawyers um let's go with nelson wolf's first um you can find this on our twitter feed at tx soccer radio but um it says you know he wants to thank the da's office and the law firm and uh The investigation found that the MLS process was unfair, unethical, duplicitous, but that Bear County does not have a legal cause of action at this time because the Spurs withdrew their MLS application. Shots fired. Shots fired, man. (laughs) I accept the report and its conclusions. We will wait until the next MLS expansion round and reassess our options at that time. In the meantime, I ask that soccer fans continue to support San Antonio FC. Holy shit, he threw the Spurs under the bus. While simultaneously telling them, telling people to go out and see their games. <laughs> what the? F- 
<laughs> what the heck, man? Like, so uh, the disconnect <laughs> continues between Nelson Wolf, other city leaders, and SSE. Every week, there's some sort of new disconnect with them. <laughs> legal cause of action at this time because the Spurs withdrew their MLS application. That's brutal, man. <laughs> what what difference does that make? Well, like, that's what, the other thing, right? What difference does the, them withdrawing their application make? It makes no difference in my eyes. There's it's it was either legally wrong or it wasn't. I thought the Bit or not. I thought the fraud was that um allegedly MLS knew that they wanted to put a franchise in Austin, um, but that they led San Antonio on and blah. I thought that's where the fraud was. Right. Um, so, so yeah, what is that? I agree with you. I feel like it was a cheap shot that was totally irrelevant. I, he's a politician, man. It doesn't matter. It it has no ba- – the bid has no bearing on this. This is about San Antonio as a city investing money into Toyota Field – and helping the Spurs bring a team here. It has no bearing on the bid itself. I don't know. Unbelievable. Um, I'm trying to find the other statement here. Was it in Josh Berdesky's article? The MLS Uh, one? Yeah, yeah, the other side of it. So, you know, full disclosure here, I uh, do have some ties to mysanantonio.com. I am technically employed by the Express News, even though this is a independent podcast. Um, but our, our friends over at mysanantonio.com have a article from the Express News editorial board, no criminal case on MLS, but still unethical. Um, and they have a lot of comments in here, um, about what exactly went down. Um, but man, how do I not have this statement in front of me? It's okay. I didn't have it in front of me either. So (laughs) Oops. Um, Probably should have. <laughs> the uh, the gist of it is that um, the MLS response talks about um, how the meetings with uh, Mark Abbott from MLS and the Bear County representatives were here we go meeting between market Mr. Abbott and the county's representatives took place at your request as an accommodation to you. Um, Ruskin writes, which is the lawyer. Um, so basically they're okay, here you go. And quote, at no time has MLS agreed not to place an MLS team in San Antonio. And then in parentheses, even if there is also an MLS team in Austin, um, (laughs) from MLS's perspective, there's nothing that would contractually prevent MLS from awarding an expansion club to San Antonio should MLS determine that such a course of action is desirable. And at this time, Mr. Precourt has not formally notified MLS of an intention to relocate his club to Austin, nor have the conditions that would need to be satisfied for such a relocation to be met. So what that statement is saying is several things. First off, another slightly more subtle shot, except this one directed at Nelson Wolf saying, you know, they made that meeting, they had that meeting as an accommodation to you. Um, but then more importantly, I think, is that at no time MLS has agreed to not have a San Antonio team, even if there's an Austin team. Does this reignite the fire for hashtag MLS and SA? 
I think well, I've I've never believed that the door is fully closed. I think that there's still a chance. It's a small one, and I I don't necessarily think that we're going to get teams in both cities. I think something in Austin's going to have to fall apart, and Columbus Crew is going to have to stay in Columbus. Um, but I, there's there's a chance. It's a small one, but there is a chance that San Antonio, despite Nelson Wolf chewing out the league and everything else going on, there's a chance that we still get a team here. I'm still holding on hope a little bit. I do think (laughs) just a tiny bit, just just tiny bit. I do think that both cities can support teams even at the same time. Um, I am skeptical that that would happen at 28 teams. I'm skeptical that that would happen with Nelson Wolf in office uh, or involved at all. But um, it seems like MLS is still, they praise the Spurs in some of the rest of that uh, statement. They praise the Spurs ownership group and how they're a professional group. Um, So when the league inevitably expands to 30 or 32 teams, even though they say 28 is the limit, um, whenever they inevitably make that expansion, I think San Antonio is still in it. Um, and I think Austin having a team could even be a selling point because then you've got a rivalry 90 minutes away and it doesn't get much better than that. No, I mean, and it'd be awesome if both te- both cities had a team. I would prefer it be San Antonio out of the two cities. Um, but yeah, they could both potentially support a team. Austin, San Antonio for sure. I still think Austin's a maybe, especially depending on stadium location, if they can support a team or not. Um, they don't have nearly as good of a track record supporting soccer in their city than as we do, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. The fire's not dead yet and it's close, but it's not there yet. Josh brings up on uh, periscope under Garber's tenure. I, I don't think that MLS or Garber have anything against Spurs sports entertainment. If anything, I think they're an ownership group that they would like to work with because they have, um, won many championships and run several successful franchises without spending the kind of money that other teams do. Um, and, and that's obviously desirable for a league that pinches pennies and imposes a lot of artificial financial restrictions. Um, I, I would want the Spurs um, on top of, you know, Tim Holt and his experience in soccer and, and some of the SSE leadership and their experience in sports and business and everything else. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, oh, Josh clarifies about the 28 team limit, not SSNE. Yeah. I don't know that Garber has the power to enforce how many teams are in the league. I think the owners are going to take, you know, right now the expansion fee is 150 million in five years. Whenever they say, oh, maybe we'll expand to 32. They could probably ask for 200, 250 million for each of those teams. So I, I don't know. I I think they like money, and these expansion fees are easy money for them um, that they, they wouldn't have otherwise. Not a sustainable business model, but I think they'll have a hard time saying no. Money is always good, and since, since all the expansion fees get divvied up between all the teams' ownership and the league, yeah, bring in more teams, more money. Money is good, which speaking of, even though technically – 210soccer.com has nothing to do with this podcast anymore. Um, I do want to announce because I know there's a lot of crossover there. Um, 210 Soccer has a Patreon page and they recently changed how they um, collect funds. And 
If that change affects you negatively and you don't want to support 210soccer.com anymore, I totally understand. And cancel your pledge. Totally get it. I'm actively looking for ways to get away from Patreon um, on running that site. So um, I, I put that out on Twitter. I should send it out in an email from Patreon. But um, if you're a 210 Soccer Patreon patron, I really, really appreciate everything you do and have done. But if that new fee system isn't worth it to you, no hard feelings at all. Totally get it. Uh, and I'm I'm working on something else besides Patreon because Patreon burned a lot of people today, which is a yes, whole other they rant. did. <laughs> yes, they did. Did uh, not see that one coming. Nobody did, man. I couldn't believe it when I read it in my email box. Um, so before I get on that rant, I... Uh, you know, anything else you want to talk about, Larry? Anything I missed? No, I think – oh, one quick note. Tomorrow, we should get more information about league expansion tomorrow. There is a MLS State of the League address on Friday. I do not know what time it is, and I don't. I would assume you're going to be able to watch it online somewhere, maybe on the MLS website. Um, but that is happening tomorrow, and on the docket for that State of the League address is expansion, expansion news. So maybe we'll get some clarification about who's getting picked for those two spots. Um, and where the next two spots may be getting picked at. We'll see. You still have Sacramento and Nashville? Sacramento and Nashville. Me too. That was interesting this week with, really quick, watching soccer Twitter this week with uh, the presentations presentations from all the cities uh, for their expansion bids and seeing Nashville and Sacramento and, and them, you know, showing up with crowds outside the MLS league offices. And then you've got Detroit campaigning to not join MLS from their, from their uh, <laughs> supporter base and their, their supporters groups. They, they apparently do not want it. So, you know, take them out of the running, give it to Nashville and Sacramento and move along. I, I enjoy watching MLS. I enjoy watching USL. I'm sure that um, the Northern guard, the Detroit city supporters, and I probably would not see eye eye on a lot of things, but I love <laughs> the things that they do. <laughs> oh, it was entertaining as hell to, to watch on Twitter that day. They were great. They're, love those guys. Yeah, they're hilarious, man. Like, of course, some of them take it over the top like any supporters group does. But overall, what a group. Um, I do want to ask you before we go, Toronto or Seattle? Who you got in the MLS Cup final? Toronto. It's going to be Toronto. The only thing Seattle has for them is St- Stephen Frey. So if he can get it done and keep keep the ball out of the net, then Seattle has a shot. But I everywhere else in the field, Tor- Toronto's going to dominate. See, I think if Dempsey's back, which I think he is last I heard, and ready he to is. go. He'll be there. I hope that it's not another 0-0, no shots on goal game. And I think Seattle actually has a chance to repeat and make it happen in regular time maybe even extra time but not penalties so i'm actually taking seattle as much as i love watching toronto they're one of my favorite teams to watch with giovinco and bradley and all those guys but um i i actually think seattle pulls it off pulls off the the repeat one zero toronto that's the call right now i'm going i'm going one zero seattle we'll see next week yeah so we're both 1-0. I'll take Seattle. You take Toronto. Maybe we'll put some wager on this on social media. I don't know. We'll figure that out later. We need but to. We'll figure this out. Yeah. For tonight, we got two days. For tonight, we will call it a night. We're a little over an hour right now, so we'll call it a night. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I know it's been a weird transition into this new name, and uh, 
uh, obviously a new host here with Larry. Um, but uh, I really appreciate everyone listening, and it seems like we've, you know, kept pretty much the same amount of listeners that we had before. So I'm looking forward to growing the podcast and seeing where things take us uh, from here. But again, highly recommend coming back at 10 p.m. Central Time on Thursday. We'll be doing another Periscope. Uh, Larry has produced a pretty cool layout for us, a pretty upgraded um, situation than what we had before. So highly recommend checking out those Periscopes. It's a fun time at 10 p.m. on Thursday nights. Um, music, as always, is provided by Mission Complete. You can check out the album Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man on Spotify. Pretty much anywhere digital music is available. Um, you can follow us on social media. We do have a new account. It's not the old Pitch Black account. Um, it's at TX Soccer Radio, brand new account. So feel free to help us uh, get to our Pitch Black, our former Pitch Black followers there. <laughs> Uh, at TX Soccer Radio. You can follow our personal accounts at LarryLeathers87 and at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, again, thank you so, so much for listening, and we will catch you later. Take care. <laughs>